Welcome to episode number 51 of the Auto Week podcast, the now weekly Auto Week podcast. Whoa. This is the... This is big news, folks. Yeah. The first time uh, we're going weekly, as of today, everybody's always like, oh, come on, Week's not weekly anymore. <laughs> Joke's on you, nerd. Joke's on you. <laughs> hey, the podcast <laughs> is, buddy. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously, you're not a nerd. You're listening to the podcast. So. Yeah. So you're good. The other people are bad that don't listen. Correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tell your friends. Uh, I'm Rory. Uh, we got Wesley. Hey. We got Mike, Yo. Bryson. Hey, hey. Got Jimmy. Hey. And on the telephone machine, whoa, we have uh, rotary dial. Matt Weaver, calling in. How's it going? As you guys have increased the output, you yeah. have lowered the standard. So whoa. I'm not sure if this wow. is a exchange of uh, quality for quantity and how it's going to work out. But thanks for having me. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's like a. Um, there's a crossover point, right? Well, no. I mean, like, the quality can only get so low. It started <laughs> off pretty low. So. <laughs> like, well, we were getting pretty good there, remember? Yeah. <laughs> we had a few good ones in a row. Yeah, I don't remember that. But <laughs> I'll take that was a long more. time yeah. ago. How's it going, Weaver? It's pretty good. You know, I'm living the dream, talking about race cars for a living. Hard to ask for anything else. It's a weird, weird dream. But uh, where have you been? Oh, man, I've been all over the country. Um, we were in uh, Martinsville, Virginia a couple of weeks ago. Um, didn't go to Texas. Uh, but, man, I've been all over the road. Uh, first couple of NASCAR races. Um, getting ready for the month of May for Indianapolis coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, it, it's a pretty busy time of the year. <coughs> so you said you didn't go to Texas, but that's exactly what we have on the list to, uh, to talk about. Uh, let's talk about that Texas race. That famous race in Texas that we all know, the big, the Great American Speedway. <laughs> not to be not to be confused with Coda. Yeah, where do we stand? Uh, so at this point in the season, very early, uh, we are how many races in? Four races in. Is that right? Uh, or for NASCAR? Seven. Yeah, seven. Seven. Whoa. Jesus Christ! They're, Sorry, they, they run a lot of races. I had a baby last week. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of dropped off the. Uh, well, Roy, you look great. Yeah, you thank do. You, yeah, you, you came really through that. You came through yeah. that really well. Yeah, that still look like shit. That's uh, that's my thing. It's just kind of <laughs> continuing to look bad. So uh, Kyle Busch out to a, a big lead um, uh, so far this season. Um, what else? What else can you tell? Or let's kind of bring readers and me up to speed on the season since I've been uh, not paying attention. Well, I, I think so. the, be, the best way to describe it is it's, it's a strange year. Um, you know, we talked about it uh, the last time I was on the podcast, and obviously I've written about it a ton over the past calendar year or so. This new rules package that has dominated the storylines this year. Um, NASCAR has gone a radically different direction than ever before, where they've, they've cut the horsepower gradually over the years from 950, which is about the maximum these engines put out, to then 750. Now they're at 550. And conventional wisdom would state, well, if you're going to lower the, the horsepower, you're going to take off some downforce. And they've done the unconventional. They, they've caked on the downforce. This is the most downforce they've ever produced. And it's just completely changed the way the racing looks, the way the racing plays out. And, you know, if you look at the racing of Texas, uh, it actually made for a better show in Texas, but the conversation continues to be, is NASCAR, you know, a sport or are they a show? And right now they're trying to balance those two options. Well, no surprise winners yet. Right, I mean, we've got pretty much chalk if they're if you're looking at it that way. Uh, I'm surprised at how well Ford is doing, and I guess I'm a little surprised that Chevy is still struggling. Uh, they've got just uh, right now three drivers in the top 16, and I believe Chase Elliott at ninth is the highest. Yeah, you know, it's weird there because you know at first I kind of wanted to dismiss it as when Chevrolet built their new car, they had actually built it under a, a different premise. Uh, of what they thought the rules package would look like. Same thing with Toyota. Toyota hit with their new Camry a couple of years ago because they built it with the rules package they had in mind. Um, and then Chevrolet didn't. Um, Ford pretty much had an idea that NASCAR was going to go this direction a couple of years ago when they started development of this new car. And I do think that some of the, the struggles for Chevrolet and on the opposite end, um, the pretty impressive might shown by Ford is a matter of just being able to predict and prognosticate 
what the rules are going to look like on any given year. I still believe that Chevrolet, with Hendrick Motorsports and the sort of resources and personnel they have there, they've got to figure this out. But right now, they just they look pretty lost. Do you think there was any backdoor uh, stuff between Ford and NASCAR? I mean, was was did Ford say, "Hey, don't let it, don't let it happen to us"? What happened to Chevy last year? Well, no, because that, that's not NASCAR's problem. Um, you know, NASCAR opens up a rule book and they write down some notes on a couple of pages and they hand it to all three manufacturers and all the different teams, and ultimately, it's up to them to figure it out. Um, yeah, I think NASCAR's primary job is to make sure that all three are close. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw on the website, but NASCAR did take nine cars or eight cars, two from each, or how many was it? Was two or six? Six cars, <laughs> two from each manufacturer, and they're going to take it back to the wind tunnel and see if one team has found what they would deem an unfair advantage. So NASCAR is trying to make sure the, the playing field is level. But I don't think it's NASCAR's problem at the beginning of a, of a rule cycle or a car development cycle to make sure that one manufacturer is doing better than the other. Um, they write a rule book that they believe all three will be equal at, and it's up to the, the teams and the OEMs to make sure that they perform. Are you, are you hearing any squawking yet in the paddocks between uh, any of the manufacturers, or are they all understanding that you know all their problems are internal and it's not somebody else's deal? You know, you know it's interesting right now. Um, two... To their credit, to the manufacturer's credit, look, they all want to win. And make no mistake, um, when when they're behind like Chevrolet is, um, they wish the circumstances were different. They wish the dynamic was different. But I think you're seeing a lot less of it right now because the three manufacturers are buying into this idea that whatever happens this year, it's going to be kind of strange. I, I think we're almost looking at this as an R&D year um, because you have a, a new body set to come out in 2021. Um, there's a new engine regulations that are on target for 2022. And I think that all three manufacturers are so focused on 2021 and 2022 that whatever happens this year, whatever happens next year, they're kind of anomalous. I, I don't think that, you know, they, they think there's any sort of long-term problems they have to, to worry about because, everything's going to change in two years. So if they miss it, if they fail, if Ford fails or, or Chevrolet fails, there's a completely new window that's opening up with this new car and this new engine. So I think there are a lot more, there's a lot less politics than there usually is for that reason, 2021, 2022. Who's your money on right now as far as a manufacturer than to win this thing? I mean, is, is it Toyota again? I mean, is Toyota the favorite? Well, you know, the past couple of years, we've talked about the big three, and that was Kyle Busch of Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, Martin Truex of Furniture Row, who is now with Joe Gibbs Racing, mm-hmm. and some combination of the, the Penske cars, whether it's Brad Kudlowski, Joey Logano, or Kevin Harvick, who is with Stuart Haas Racing. I still think that we're talking about those big four or five. I don't think there's anything that's showing me right now that they're not the teams to beat. Um, certainly you've seen it with Penske so far this year. Really, really good. Um, Stuart Haas is a little bit off the pace, enough to have you know Kevin Harvick a little bit cranky. Uh, but I, I think the same guys you've seen running up front, it doesn't matter what the rules package are. They're the best drivers with the best crew chiefs, with the best teams, with the most resources. And I think that you could throw them out there on fixed tires and a big motor, and it's, it's going to be the same result. Uh, you can't beat resources and personnel. Last podcast, we talked about Kyle Busch uh, getting to 200. I think since our last podcast, he added about 10 more ten more wins, didn't he? Couple. Yeah, he, he, he went through them in a hurry. Um, you know, he's running every Xfinity, every truck race, and, of course, he's running in the Cup Series. So he was able to win a bunch of those in a row, and he got there in a hurry. Is he going to set – do you really think he's going to retire from the Xfinity Series when he gets the you know, those five more wins he's talking about? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think that – He's tired of hearing it. I think he's tired of getting the criticism for it. Um, he has pretty much said that if, if Joe Gibbs needs him to sell a sponsorship or to package him with a younger driver, he'll run you know, a, a race here or there, one, two races a year. I don't think that's impossible. But I think for him running the full five races in Xfinity, they currently allow him to, he's done. Um, 
he will continue to run in the truck series for as long as he owns the team. Because in Kyle's own words, if I'm going to own a truck and if I'm going to invest the time and money that it takes to own a team, I should be allowed to drive. And keep in mind, this is a team that a lot of people think are losing about a million dollars a year. Brad Keselowski said his team lost a million dollars the last year that it was operating. So I think if Kyle is going to lose somewhere close to a million dollars a year, he best be allowed to drive a truck seven times a year. And I think NASCAR is going to allow that to happen, and he'll continue doing it. You got Bristol this week. Uh, what do we expect the package to look like at Bristol? I mean, it's obviously a lot different than Texas. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously, because we're talking about a half-mile track compared yep. to a, a mile and a half. You know, this package is just weird. Um, it, it certainly made Texas a more entertaining race. Uh, drivers were wide open all the way around the racetrack. I know that's not popular to some purist, traditionalist, much like myself, uh, but it keeps the cars closer together because if you're not having the lift in the corners, you can just stay bunched up. It's not quite Daytona or Talladega yet, but it's, it's, it's approaching that territory. You're not going to see that at Bristol. Bristol is a very fast racetrack, obviously. It's so tiny and there's so many cars. But one thing that's weird, another thing that's weird about this package, is that while it was intended to help the racing at some of the mile-and-a-half D-shaped uh, ovals, it did not help uh, Phoenix. It did not help Martinsville. In fact, for the first time since I've covered stock car racing, we were talking about aerodynamics at Martinsville. Uh, drivers were complaining about on the long straightaways there that they could feel the dirty air, and it made it harder to pass. And it's because of that huge spoiler in the back of the car. And so I, I think NASCAR has a bit of a problem developing that the things they're trying to do to make it easier to pass on the big tracks, they're making it harder to pass on some of their most exciting tracks. So while they might have fixed one problem, it just created another one. And that might present itself at Bristol a little bit. So that's Bristol. What do we have to look forward to? I, I know that there have been some uh, announcements made about the schedule going forward. What's going on? And, and do you think that's uh, kind of a part of, of what NASCAR needs to do to get back on track? Well, yeah, I think for 2020, uh, they're wetting the appetite. Um, there, is a, there is a thing that's in place right now, the, the sanctioning agreement. They signed back in 2015. Mm -hmm. They can't change tracks. But what they did was they rearranged everything for 2020 um, to where they, they, they staggered some of the most exciting races towards the end of the year. Uh, they made Daytona, which is kind of a random lottery race. That's going to be the last race to make the playoffs. But I think that's a really good move. Yeah. Um, the cutoff races for each round of the playoffs, it's now the Bristol night race moving from late summer to in the playoffs. Uh, the Charlotte Roval, that will continue to be a playoff race. But Martinsville, another half mile, um, that'll now be the race you have to run into to make the championship race. And that championship race was moved from Homestead, Miami, to one mile Phoenix. So they, hmm. they've, they've changed a lot, even though you know there's, they, they can't change date, they can't change locations. Yeah. Uh, but 2021, everyone expects you're going to see a little bit more short track racing, a little bit more road courses. I think this sets the table what you're going to see in 2021 and we're going to see some tracks fall off right or at least some tracks that probably have two races are going to lose a race i mean you gotta you gotta yeah, you know uh pocono pocono has had two races within a span of six weeks and next year they're going to run both of those races on the same weekend saturday and sunday huh. and a lot of people think that might be them moving towards consolidation dover could probably lose a date some of these tracks that have two races and the tickets don't sell well, they could probably fall off the schedule as well. Mich huh. Yeah, Michigan's in trouble. I mean, Michigan is a third of what it was, you know, 15 years ago. I think the population stayed pretty much the same. Oh, thanks, Wesley, for the update on the uh, population. But, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're expecting another forty to 50,000 maybe for the Michigan races, you know, that were drawn 150. Um, I'd be surprised if they were able to keep both races unless you go to this you know, doubleheader format, which would be intriguing. Yeah, you know, it's still the home for all the manufacturers. Yep. Um, it's, it's still a race that's very important to Ford, Chevrolet, and Toyota. Um, they, they host the Manufacturers Cup there in the, the early summer race. Um, but, yeah, certainly it's, it's not an exciting racetrack. Some of the racing there has kind of fallen off the last couple of years. 
And I, I think that's part of what NASCAR is looking at, some of the tracks that don't produce action, and maybe the, the, the fans have kind of stopped going. Those are the ones that are at risk. Meanwhile, uh, fans are demanding more short tracks and more road courses. And in an interview yesterday, um, on Monday, with Dale Earnhardt Jr. on his podcast, um, the, the president of NASCAR said NASCAR is very much moving towards that direction. Let's look at the tracks that we know can produce the most action, and let's bring them in, and maybe that'll generate some more hype, more participation, more interest in the sport. It'll be fun to, uh, if they do cut one of those Michigan races, it would be fun to uh, listen to people complain about that, and then people who didn't actually <laughs> go, yeah. go to both races. But... Um, it sounds like uh, it sounds like we got some interesting stuff happening, uh, Matt. We will we will be checking in with you, obviously, as as the season progresses. I did have some questions we didn't get to about a rumor I heard that uh, Kyle Busch was going to be competing uh, in a, a junior karts uh, series. Try to rack up a few more wins. He sees some vulnerabilities Ouch. in the eight to twelve year old bracket. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, joking. We will uh, we will talk to you again soon. Uh, Appreciate as always you uh, you calling in and spending the time, uh, but get back out there, get to typing, and get back on the road. We'll talk to you soon. Ten four. Talk to you guys later. Uh, we do. We want to talk uh, about Formula Uno, um, but very quickly we had some breaking news come over the wire. Uh, my buddy Jeremy just texted me a picture of Tyler Reddick's car uh, for Bristol this weekend. With the uh, Dolly Parton livery sponsored by Dolly Parton, uh, the Camaro looks the number two Camaro. The Xfinity Camaro looks oh. awesome. Um, it's gonna, it's got a huge picture. I know this is an audio medium, but it's got a huge picture of uh, Dolly on the front, uh, on the hood. I think is what that's called. And um, I think most would call it a hood. Yeah, yeah, the bonnet, uh, if you will. And it's got uh, some pink lace. And a black butterfly on it. It looks not being uh, facetious. Yeah, yeah, it, it looks rad. It does look super cool. Yeah, he, he better be good this week. Yeah, do not wreck <laughs> Dolly. Can't, can't let Dolly down. Do not wreck Dolly. Yeah, you know yeah. she's gonna be watching. Yeah, don't put Dolly into yeah. the wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do not. Uh, yeah, maybe that's the trick. Put like a beloved figure. On there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like nobody wants to wreck Dolly. Um, wow. Okay, so Formula One. Uh, you know, not, come not on, a, you can say it. Not you can say a it. bad race last weekend. No, 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 no. Bahrain. It was I mean, a, it was a good race. It was a great race by Formula One standards. I would call it actually. A good I race. think by any standard, that was a great yeah. race. No, I will say I I turned the TV off at like lap seven because Leclerc definitely had it roped in. That's that's yep. what happened, right? Yep, Leclerc won. just won. It yep. was no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a pretty clear cut. It was thing, uh, uh, from the get go. Basically, the Vettel. light went green, and you then. could tell what was going to happen from that point. <laughs> no, uh, kind of another catastrophic weekend and... for the Ferrari guys. Um, with, well, for one Ferrari guy. Anyway. Well, no, really both. I mean, I think Leclerc having that race in handily. <laughs> Poor in, guy. in hand and having a, a mechanical failure, his battery thing went MGH, out or whatever. Yeah. I, I think it was actually it dropped a cylinder. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. What did I they figure that out post race? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they figured it out later, and they're actually going to run it for China practice. I think. Yeah. To, uh, well, the clerk also had a, had a radio issue because he didn't hear the order to stand down. Yeah, he yeah, missed, he yeah, missed, he missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Sorry, can't hear you. Can't hear you. I'm going through a tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. No. He. So he he looked. God, he looked like he, he was going to so win good. that race. So fast, fastest lap too. But, yeah, fast but let's lap. not forget, yep. though. I mean, he he lost the lead, and then got it back. Yeah. Not not just by some sort of you know, not because of DRC or something, right? Yeah. But he did some great passes. He passed in a Formula I know. One race. He, he, it was very strange to see that uh, breaking news. Breaking news. No, I saw that the commentators even in the box were like, <laughs> "What's going on? What are the cars? <laughs> it was behind the other car. Now it's in front. What's what happened? How's that happen? yeah. <laughs> Uh, do the rules allow this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're gonna have to check with the stewards. Yeah. <laughs> but he made it great pay, passes for the lead and then took off. Um, but I mean, there were some great battles. There was Vettel and Hamilton, which was fantastic, and we got to see Vettel it was, again. It was fantastic crack. for one person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, well, and everyone watching. Yeah. The the millions of people watching, and um, you know, again, we saw Vettel crack, which he did repeatedly last year. It's just mentally, and he's falling apart. Well, he he's actually mustache. he's never been 
really that good in uh, traffic. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. This is, this, this is a little backslide from last year of Vettel being like the second to God in terms of driving. What? You, you were so pro Vettel last year. What's going on? No, I wasn't. Oh, Jimmy, fact check, fact check. 780,000 people were watching. Yeah. In the States. Ah. Uh, yeah. Internationally. It, it was, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh. Wait, 780 in the States? Yeah, yeah which is actually pretty that's good. That's a lot. No, that's, well, it's, it's for, the for, most, for F1, it's, it's the most for behind Monaco. Yeah, that's very I good. thought it was yeah. 711. I think it's up something like oh, 611,000 points. Or that's, good. that's the number I saw. That's the ESPN thing. Yeah, it might have been 711. Well, the other part is timing. Uh-huh. So the other thing is that the the race was on at a watchable time. I gotta say, too, a perfect time to watch. Yeah, actually, the, uh, the, I tried to watch the replay because I had I watched something else in the morning, and uh, I uh, actually maybe I was watching. Anyway, they have. We well, got two you, kids you, now. It's probably Teletubbies yeah. or something. Your instinct right? isn't to wake up and watch TV. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> watching TV. But the uh, I tried to watch the replay. And I gotta say that that experience was uh, suboptimal for me. Uh, not to. I, I don't want to get on my big thing, which is uh, how much I hate cable. Um, but it Let's was do it. A, a real nightmare. Um, but we won't we won't get into it. I uh, so I actually have not seen the entire race. I've seen like little clips. I, there's a a version of the race that you can watch if you have ESPN. That is uh, it's the whole race, but there's no audio. <laughs> so it's just it's every shot, but there's no commentary, and it is. It's good, but it's unnerving. <laughs> like it's a it's a weird. But when you got a sleeping baby on you, that's probably yeah. the only thing to watch. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, can hear the so no, to watch it. No car audio, no anything. The, no, the you can hear the cars. Okay. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, but there's no announcers. It's there's no announcers, and it just cuts between like it's the normal cuts, like it's the normal like the package. Reel. No, no, it's the full race. Oh, but the there's no the on screen graphics, yeah. and there's no audio. Yeah, so it's like a self checkout at Walmart. I mean, yeah. it's like there's it's nobody up, here. Yeah. <laughs> It's, but it still works. It's yeah. So it's but it's, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like if you were at the race, you wouldn't need the commentator. But like when they're cutting back and forth between like in car to gotcha. like corner cam to the yeah. helicopter, so you know, to whatever. just slightly more than the guys in the stands. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Who aren't plugged in. Yeah. So it's anyway. Um, but I think the race, the race itself, though. Uh, I mean, it, there were a lot of things. And if you remember at the previous podcast, I think I said Australia wouldn't be a good example of the new aero regulations yeah. yeah or even really the cars in general fun fact you're exactly right but did, the did the, the uh, cars in this race though could follow each other very closely i mean yeah. there, there was a point where i think the midfield the entire midfield was fighting for one position uh-huh. which was awesome it was very cool aren't they always um, technically fighting for first you you almost had me jimmy i was almost excited until you started talking about that battle for seventh again yeah. You, you well, always go back to no, that. No, 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 no. I don't here's, understand here's that. The, here's what you don't I understand don't, about F1. Yeah. Seventh matters. But Unlike that's a also, NASCAR when it doesn't matter. But that's much. also just any any race, though. Like, if there, if there's good racing going on anywhere on the track, I want to watch it because they're professional drivers, very good drivers, still the best drivers in the world except that are... Lance Stroll. Yeah, Lance except Stroll for and Lance, Kevin Magnus. Except for a couple of them. Battling for 20, yeah, but, you know. yeah, give or take. Yeah. But, but they're still fighting for position. And this year, at least in this race, they were fighting uh, very well. And they could follow each other. They could go for the pass. They could be aggressive with each other, sometimes too aggressive. Yeah. It was interesting to watch the Renaults, um, Danny oh, Ricardo wow. having to deal with a inferior car mm-hmm. uh hulkenberg up against some very top talent and shining you know he's not getting totally trounced from 17th to 6th before <laughs> both cars failed in the same quarter on the same lap yeah that was I, I felt like like ferrari had the pope call that one in or something <laughs> like that you know like you know we gotta we gotta hold on to this one you know but that was weird yeah the uh yeah the renault thing going great uh i think well, the Renault, the Renaults are why Leclerc made the podium. Yeah, because uh, for the eighth time in, in F one history, it ended on a safety car, which was kind of a bummer. Oh, but it yeah. was so weird because they, they, it was like someone there was like a master switch for both cars, and someone accidentally hit it. <laughs> yeah, the self destruct button. <laughs> they both just went zoom. Yep. <laughs> Initiate self destruct sequence. Very Whoops. strange. Why did they? Why do they even have this? Why? <laughs> did, <laughs> terrible button. Uh, we shouldn't have. Uh, what but the know? bottom line, seventy uh, sixth win. For Mercedes in the last 102 F1 races, yeah, that is uh, uh, they're second, dominant. Second is in that you know five plus year stretch is Ferrari with 14. Yeah, they're kind of so, like Duke, but a more lovable kind more of more like dominant, more dominant than Duke. Yeah, but 
like the Patriots, but less cheap. I mean, they're kind of like Mercedes. they're kind of like yeah. McLaren or Williams or Ferrari yeah. or, or Red Bull or, or you know any of the other teams that have won been dominant over that is and that is the whole thing too is Formula One like this is extremely bad and boring uh, to watch one team win every race, but that's kind of how it always been. It's been just streaks. Like well, but I think that that's also you know there's a problem in only focusing on. The points at the end of the race, and I know I mean, that it's. I know that there is a. That's kind of how sports. It is kind of how kinda sports why we have work. A championship, yeah. and but I, also, I, I mean, the peanut gallery here. That's how sports I mean, work. if we look at like, <laughs> but if we look Spanish? at IndyCar at Coda, Will Power was going to cream everybody, right? Like that. That was not going to be um, a big battle for the win. You know what was exciting about it though was yes, there was passing, but it was also more exciting to watch the drivers actually drive the cars around the track, and I think that. When you put that emphasis too much on the strict passing and not so much the drivers driving a car around well, the track, I think you want to you see, back yourself into you a corner. See, I mean, I yeah, you end up like NASCAR. You want to you know? see some some action, and oh, you definitely again, do. Fundamentally, like the point of sports is that you don't know who's going to win. That's the whole thing about sports. Well, next is week is you want to watch I'm to find out. Well, I mean, ladies. this last race we didn't. We didn't know who was going to win. We, we had a really good idea. Well, I mean, yeah. Ferrari. And, I think and also on this, Wednesday we knew who was going to win. Yeah. We knew it was going to be Hamilton. Didn't know exactly no, we, how it happened. Why did we know right. that? Because yep. Ferrari was going to win. They had won 72 out of the last And, Ham, and Hamilton so, did not win every day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He wasn't going to go On Wednesday, two. you knew that. Yes. On Thursday, you would have said that? Yes. On Friday, you would have said that? I would have said it till at Sunday at I will 10, 10 o'clock. I will, I, will, I will take this bet. <laughs> every week from now on, Jimmy. Take Hamilton. I'm going to take Hamilton versus the field, and it's $10 a race for the rest of the year. Ooh. And I guarantee you. You'll end up with more at the I end. Think end about it. More. He's even giving you bow ties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you <laughs> might want to take but that. Here's, but here's the also current, the, the current thing is that Ferrari is now <laughs> faster than Mercedes. Uh, Leclerc We've heard is, that for I, three I don't know years. about that. You've been telling me that for three years. But based on what? They're not they, winning polls. They were. They were. They, they have they, won a poll this they year. They won a poll and but, they were like, right. how far ahead? That race, they were. That race they were, but I think over this seventy-six or whatever hundred and two race stretch, Mercedes has won more poles. Yet everybody says, you know, Ferrari's faster. No, no one, no one says that. Okay, Actually, I, I, I think you know. Did you tell me all last year, Ferrari had the best car? Well, they did for a period. Based on yeah. what? On being very fast and very competitive, <laughs> but I think not winning, Mike. I think yeah, lap I think, time I think would last be the... year in the middle of the season, Ferrari was extremely fast, and then when Vettel had his mental breakdown at the end of of August, everything kind of went to hell. Yeah, um, and and Ferrari, Ferrari made a lot of bad calls, um, but, and this year there it's going to be on them again not to make those calls. They were trying to hold up Leclerc. Vettel had nothing against Hamilton, and. Um, and that was obvious, even with a fast car. Now, of course, there he says that there were some setup issues or something. Right, but, right. but Leclerc is very fast, and Ferrari's car is very, very fast as well. I will say and this once, much about once that. Honda, are we going to do? Uh, once are we going to do Honda Charles Leclerc, or can we do Charles Leclerc? Yeah, Ooh, Charles Leclerc. Are we going to? What about Charles Leclerc? Um, but I will. I will say. How about Chuck? At, at Melbourne, <laughs> Chuck? And, Chuck. Well, in the Australian Grand Prix. Ferrari looked Chaz. extremely so, really yeah. off pace. And I think whatever the engineers did to bring the car up to pace might have sacrificed a little bit of uh, reliability. Well, right. And so we'll own. we'll just have to see. You know, I mean, so that's, I think the car, the car might be now on pace, but it's less reliable. It's beyond on pace, but it's um, definitely not reliable. So and Leclerc might have ran out of fuel before he finished. You mentioned that in the post race, he was a little a little tight on fuel. Had the Mercedes. Yeah. Him I down. mean, there there are a lot of variables. There, but at the end of the day, it was a great race. It was a, fantastic it was a lot of race. fun. It was. It was also great to see Hamilton uh, fighting, you know, for something because mm -hmm. it also kind of reminds you of what a great so, driver so is. Like when he was talking about the wind and the way that he no, it reminded me of a Dario Franchitti interview about the Indy 500. But he was reading the flags going around the track. Yeah, but didn't he say? Uh Oh, wait, no, that was uh, Vettel. But Lewis was reading the flags going around also, the track. Also, so much downtime running a Formula One car to look at flags. Yeah. Yeah, but he was reading the flags. <laughs> He's looking at my phone. And he noticed that there was more wind going into that turn, and so he dove really deep on the brakes, which allowed him to go on the outside of Vettel through those turns. They asked Vettel about it afterwards. He was cool. like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's like it's yeah. <laughs> well, he had the weather channel on his, uh, you know, yeah. on his ear there. I will know. say uh, Vettel's situation this year – 
hair-wise is way better. The normal yeah. haircut with the mustache versus that weird... The weird shape. The butt cut. The thing. Yeah. yeah. You it's know, a, I'm loving the mustache. He's got... I think it's great. The mustache... The the weird... What do you even call that? Is that uh, another Hitler cut? Youth, I think they used well, to call it. Well, that's what I was going to... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. It's got a much less kind of fascist look to it yeah. and kind of like a lovable a 70s I think guy. he looks cool. No, he doesn't look like an uncle. Uh, yeah, he looks like an uncle in 1970. I'm so glad we're going weekly. This Did you, is, yeah, it's good content. <laughs> there was, a, uh, I think, uh, WTF once had the picture of <laughs> yeah. uh, Vettel as Mario, and they yep. changed... Uh, Luigi, yeah. Uh, changed Leclerc's... Uh, that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. I sent that to somebody who doesn't follow Formula One by accident, and they were like, oh, it looks just like Mario and Luigi. And I was like, <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> um, you got it. But a few a few things uh, left about Bahrain. Uh, Verstappen didn't hit a single soul. No. Didn't hit anyway. So he's, he's, I thought he was going to. He's 0 for 2 right now. Gonna. That's not good. That's uh, not what so, you want. No, because uh, we're implementing the Verstappen hit watch, and I've got money on Verstappen hitting somebody in China. Who is he going to hit? Ooh. Um, no. He's got to be someone he's going to be around. Yeah. I'm going to go with Vettel. I'm going... That's he a, likes him, and, him and Vettel are going to get like, into it he really does like good. Vettel. Yeah, Vettel's yeah. going to be so worried about Leclerc coming both, behind they him. Both get so, they both get very jittery. testy. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I'm, jittery. I'm going Hulkenberg. Ooh. Ooh. How is Hulkenberg going to be up there with the leaders? Yeah, I mean, he was nice. sixth. It'll be a turn one. <laughs> <laughs> Same place he always gets him. Uh, so... No go. Why is this no? What is this nine 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 race? I saw that on there. I saw that on the <laughs> apron on the track. It the said nine hundred and ninety ninth Formula One race. I was like, man, it looks like six six six. I was trying to say so badass. Yeah. The devil's race. Yeah. 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 That would that would get, no. It's almost it's so kind number of one like number one thousand is at China of all time. That's what they're claiming. I don't know how to do that math because that seems like. There's so many Grand Prix. Well, yeah. is that including Grand Prix? We're working on a like nice cool history feature. Or, or Grand Prix. I think no, it's, Grand no, it's it's the Formula. It's like 1950 was like the first. Okay, race. So technically we're not Formula going back to those one, ones yeah. that you can find from 1918 that have a yeah. Grand Prix moniker on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Bell the Island iteration of uh, F1, and uh, it's a, it's a neat story on how that all came about. But uh, like this it. is number one thousand, and. Um, We'll recap all Not 1,000 bad. in the next podcast. Nothing to show for it. Not bad. Uh, I mean, that's like that's like one NASCAR season, though. Basically. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it looks like uh, on my I mean, show Richard notes. Richard Petty had you yeah. know, that many starts, <laughs> didn't he? Looks like on my show notes here, Wesley, we have uh, back to Weaver to talk about Texas again. So we're going to just get Weaver again on the phone. I, I, do you think, I, do I, you wanna, I do noticed I, that today, and I don't know how that happened. Do you want to? I literally uh, typed it. Wait a minute. We have show notes. Yeah. So do you want to um, <laughs> try to say exactly the same thing, or do you want him to try to say different stuff this I want him to try to say different stuff next. Stuff. Okay, let's, let's call get him, him on up. the horn. Let's get no. Uh, uh, we're gonna move on we've got to IndyCar. We got some IndyCar. Max Chilton. Do we? Yeah, Max Chilton. We talked to Max in. today. Oh yeah, that's he, right. Max Chilton's in town. He flew in from across the pond just to hang out. Uh, does he, he doesn't live across? He's from there. He There's a pond somewhere. right over there. Yeah. The, okay. Uh, no, I think he he Lake said Michigan. he mentioned he lives at home. He lives in uh, the UK. Yeah, yeah the, he he talks about it in the interview. Huh. I just forget. Well, last yeah, night he does he was, when we talked to him last year. But was, last uh, night he was at London. the Frozen Pond. He was over at the Little Caesars watching some hockey on the slice. Ooh, yeah, that's yeah. the slice. Is he, is he a hockey fan? It was his first. He's a field hockey. You fan. went with him, right? He played. Yeah, he played yeah. field hockey over there, which I didn't know. Guys had, did that. I didn't, yeah, I thought that was a girls' thing, but yeah. apparently it's a guys' thing over there. Uh-huh. He played all the way to the county level. I think there are a lot it's of a broken ankles. <laughs> <laughs> is that good? I think yeah, there are a lot of broken ankles. No, he was good. Uh, it was the first time he'd ever seen ice hockey, though, and he was duly impressed. Yeah, does he skate? Does he know? Uh, it doesn't sound. Like, I mean, he doesn't sound like an ice guy, but uh-huh. uh, but uh, he he kind of enjoyed the sticks and guys beating uh, each puck, other. And, puck was good for him. Yeah, puck was good. Yeah. <laughs> Did the Red Wings win? Red Wings won. They're still doing that. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, they finally get knocked out of the playoffs and they decide, instead of playing for the good draft choice, let's win eight of our last nine down yeah, the stretch to fall down the draft uh, list. That's, uh, that's a Lions move right that, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah they've yeah. been following. You, know, you move these guys that's right across. sports tradition. Well, that's maybe. what happened when you bring the Red Wings right across the street from the Lions. They yeah. kind of feed off each other and they're, like, yeah, they're, they're going to uh, build these dynasties together. Let's, let's compare notes here. <laughs> How do we really screw this up? Um, so Max Chilton uh, stopped by the office a little bit earlier. I was uh, yelling at our internet guys uh, at the time, so I missed it. Um, he was good, though. Max was good. So we're going to cut to that quick interview, uh, and then we will move on from motorsports and uh, talk about some other stuff. Well, we're joined now by a very special guest, and we can underline very 
Uh, we have IndyCar driver Max Chilton with us, driver of the Carlin Racing number 59 car, sponsored by Gallagher. And Max, welcome to Detroit. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to be back. Now, last night you had a little experience. You got a chance to go to your first ice hockey game. You got to see the Detroit Red Wings play, a, kind of an institution here in Detroit. And uh, what did you think about that experience? I really, really enjoyed it. Um, having come from a hockey background in the UK, which is field hockey, um, which was my sport, I got to county levels. It was a, a really cool experience to see ice hockey for the first time. The speed of it and the aggression is quite similar to IndyCar. Um, those guys are real professionals and it's actually those nets are pretty small so it's trying to get it past a, a guy who's padded up basically 90% size of, size of the goal to actually get it through that 10% gap is pretty pretty big challenge but uh really really enjoyed it and that's the little caesar's uh, arena is a really nice uh awesome little stadium which we don't have anything like that in the uk i wish we had more more cool little small stadiums like that there you go. Well, you know, in, in hockey, the idea is to beat up your opponent, use your stick. Uh, in, in IndyCar, you're trying to avoid that kind of contact. Uh, were you pretty good with the stick? Yeah, I, um, I love, as I said, I love playing hockey. Um, I now play a lot of golf, um, which is similar sort of in a way. And um, I really appreciate the, the level of quality that those guys train to. Um, and it was awesome last night because I got given a jersey um, with my name and my race number, which is 59. And the 59 player last night uh, scored two goals and actually set a Red Wings all-time record. He set, I think he got th- three points over a period of four, yep, four straight, four, games. Four straight exactly. games, which um, no one's ever done in the history. And they were they were one of the top teams for years and years. So it's pretty oh, impressive. I didn't realize he was wearing number 59. So maybe you, uh, you brought him some luck last I night. I did, yeah. He uh, he thanked me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! Uh, your season right now, obviously, you're you're now you're getting into it. Uh, you've had a couple races under your belt, getting ready to go to Barber uh, yet this afternoon and for this weekend. Uh, what expectations for this weekend? Yeah, Barber's a track which uh, is sort of where I've come from. I love road and street courses. I haven't come from Formula One, we don't do ovals, so I feel more at home on a, a road and street. And um, Barber is right up my street. I, I have OCD and. Um, <laughs> Also, I love playing golf, and Augusta is like the OCD of golf courses. So to have a racetrack like Barber, which is actually the sort of near nearest thing in the motorsport world to Augusta, it's it's pretty cool, and it's actually not a million miles away from Augusta. Well, you don't necessarily like ovals. You got one big one on the schedule this year. Yeah, it's pretty important. Indy Indy Five Hundred, um, which is towards the end of uh, May, the weekend before the double header of Detroit Grand Prix, um, is our holy grail of the race calendar and um yeah we're really looking forward to that race it's a pretty spectacular race um i never knew anything really about it apart from what it was um until i actually did it i hadn't ever watched a race and the first race i watched was when i had my helmet on driving in there myself now how, how's the atmosphere at indianapolis from a driver's standpoint uh compared to maybe some of the great places you were at in formula one um you know indies takes your breath away it's uh it's an unusual facility um in a in a location you wouldn't really expect but it it's got a definite aura aura to it um formula one's cool because you go to 22 different countries throughout a year um indycar's basically all in america apart from toronto so there's differences between them but america's so vast you feel like you're in different countries when you're in somewhere like pocono to then lagoon or you know they're two different basically countries they're so far apart so um i really enjoy the indycar calendar and uh, i'm now in my fourth season now we're talking with max chilton uh indycar driver now max uh you came close at indianapolis one time i mean so you've you've tasted it you know what it would be like to get there uh you know what's it going to take to get over the top yeah i wish i knew um in 2017 i led 50 laps more laps than anyone else um and lost the lead with six laps to go which was gutting and i felt like i've I feel like I sort of know what it's like to win, but I haven't actually won, if you know what I mean. So I want to do anything to get my car in that position. Um, having the experience now, I think I could probably have won that race, but that's life. You know, you, you can't you can't beat experience. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed we can have a fast car this year and we can uh, spray that or sh- pour that milk over me at the end of the race. You win that, you can do whatever you want with the milk. I Absolutely. Think. <laughs> I mean, you've seen, uh, uh, you know, we talked about Alexander Rossi won it. You know, he's a former F1 driver. So, you know, guys who maybe don't have a ton of IndyCar experience have come over here and done very well. And you did, you know, one of your first years. So it's possible. And, you know, you need a few breaks. So, you you know, 
like you've mentioned before, it's, there's a fuel mileage strategy. There's you got to hit the yellows, uh, the, you know, the caution periods at the right time, and uh, a lot can happen. But then you come to mid, you know, you come right to Michigan up here for Belle Isle's race, you know, a week later for two more. I mean, that's eight days of just got to be just an incredible roller coaster for you guys, you know, before you come to, you know, the Detroit Chevy uh, Grand Prix. Yeah, the Detroit uh, Grand Prix, which is now in its 30th year, is uh, one which really stands out because you come off a big month of May. Um, and if the month of May hasn't gone right, you've got time to make it right by having a good double header at Detroit. It's actually got the same points as the Indy 500 that weekend because it's double header. So um, it's it's important for the drivers. They're pretty dark, they're pretty tired already from the month of May, but then they have to do two qualifiers, two full length races. But it's great for the motorsport fans that live in the uh, in the Detroit area because they've got uh, a chance to watch two races in a 24-hour period. So it's pretty unique. This year, uh, IMSA are here as well, and they're in their 50th year, so there's going to be a lot of classic old IMSA cars um, and lots for families to see. Tickets are on sale, only $45, so it's uh, it's pretty decent. <laughs> oh, yeah, it really is. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you, you become a race fan on a week like that where you've got some different series out there and different cars you get a chance to check out. So we'll probably see you sneaking out there once in a while uh, near, near the pits during the other races, won't you? Absolutely. I love watching IMSA. I've got quite a few friends that race in that and that's always, um, they always put on a good show. They race at Long Beach with us as well and it's uh, it's really super competitive racing. Uh, i got to ask you, you know, we're, we're auto week. We're curious about your cars. Uh, what, what do you drive on the road? What's your road car these days? So my daily is a, a 2015 Twisted uh, Land Rover Defender um, manual. I think you call them stick shifts over here. My wife has my old mini John Cooper Works, which nice. is a stick shift. Um, I've got a Ferrari 599 GTO. Um, I've got, what else have I got? I've got, I bought my wife a 1959 Mercedes 190 SL, gave that to her um, outside the wedding on, uh, on the, outside the church on our wedding day. Nice. Um, and I've got a Porsche, I've got a Ferrari on the way. So I, <laughs> you know, I can't say no to these, these things. Well, you're a car guy then. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I live and breathe cars and watches. I look at them all day. Now, I mean, where does that come from? I mean, your family, uh, or is it just something you've kind of a uh, you know grown into? I think it's just sort of men in general like cars and watches. <laughs> but yeah, my father's always had a car collection, and so I think that's just passed along. Um, but I just feel like it's part of me. Even if I didn't come from the family I was with, I'd always appreciate cars because it's just. They're cool, cool looking things, and they give you an amazing feeling. Now, your dad does he have like a prized car? Does he have the one car that he'll never get rid of? Um, yeah, he his is his Ferrari F50. He had that from new from the factory, um, and I know he always says I want to be buried in that car. It's like <laughs> it's his go to. But he actually finally bought a, a California a Daytona Spider wow. um, last year, which he's always wanted as a child, and he finally managed to get his hands on one of eighteen. Uh, european spec cars dario franchitti in fact actually has the other one so uh he's in good company so these are all back home then your cars too? they're all back in the uk yeah, yeah. so where, where's home in the uk then for you i live in a town called rygate uh surrey which is just uh it's about 30 minutes south of london in the countryside um it's very practical heathrow airport's half an hour away and nice. considering i'm crossing the pond every other week it's pretty handy what was your big break i mean how did you get from there to where you are today i mean was there a was there a race a series uh something you did in your life that you said wow that was the turning point i think it's a bit of everything but go-karts is obviously where you learn your craft and you can look mm-hmm. at Ayrton Senna or Lewis Hamilton in karting and their driving styles exactly the same as it is now. So you learn your craft in karting. Um, I think my break was probably British Formula 3 when I was teammates mm-hmm. with Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, we both had the same number of pole positions that year and uh, had some pretty intense battles. So that's where I sort of put my name out there and I got up to GP2, which is now F2, and then I got to Formula 1. So yeah, once, uh, once the ball was rolling, there was no stopping. And you know, you got a taste of Formula 1, um, but it sounds like you found a home here though in IndyCar. Uh, do you see yourself here now for the next several years? Yeah, I love IndyCar. I think it's a really fantastic grid. It's very friendly. It's welcoming. It's competitive. It's fair. Um, and so I'm going to try and do it until I achieve what I want to achieve. And you talked a little bit about this in the past, but the competitiveness at IndyCar is is so much different than what you were used to in, you know, when you were with Marussia over there in Formula One, where it became a train and you were you know hoping to get a you know, 12th, 13th place finish here you're in the mix every every week that's got to be refreshing absolutely um being in the marussia was the best experience of my life but it was also incredibly frustrating when you nailed a performance you're stupidly fit you maximize the race and you finish 12th it's just 
you know, it's not really a sport when that happens. But in IndyCar, I knew if I'd done a performance like that, I would have been on the podium or won the race. So it's that's the thing I struggle with. And I now really enjoy being an IndyCar. It's fair. And if you get a good result, you deserve it. Now, you guys just uh, were at Coda uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, that experience uh, different than the F1 experience? Uh, or was it very similar? Or were the cars just so different that it, it was, you know... A lot more fun here. The cars are very different. Our cars are a lot heavier. They're obviously slower. Um, but anyone ask, anyone ask anyone in racing, the slower the cars, the better the racing is. And I think we showed that. We did more overtakes than the races in Formula 1 there. Um, the track is fantastic. It's designed to have some great overtaking, which we did have. Um, and I hadn't been there for since 20... I hadn't raced on there since 2013. So it was like six-year gap. Um, and so it was nice to be back. Well, that is still the jewel of uh, racetracks, probably in the U.S. for for road courses and for you know the formula cars, and obviously it's not the Indy 500, but it, it was neat to see the two cars on the same track. I mean, we we can compare times and all that because there's always this mystique of which car is faster, how are they going to deal? But you guys raced a lot better. The Indy cars was a great show, and I think the the fans really appreciated that. It's a, it's just a different animal, and I hope. IndyCar does make a return there and make a long-standing run because I think that could be a, a classic race for you guys. Absolutely. It's called the uh, IndyCar Classic, and uh, I yep. think there's a reason for that. So it's uh, hopefully they can build that race more and more. Uh, you've got a, a, a teammate coming on board for Indianapolis, uh, Fernando Alonso. Um, he's almost won Indy. Uh, he's won just about everything else in the world. Uh, obviously, you, you don't want him to win Indy this year because you've got designs on somebody else winning that thing. Absolutely, I want him to. I want him to get the triple crown, but ideally not this year because I want to. I want to get it before before he does. And um, you know, he's he's a world class driver. He's he's winning everything he's doing at the moment. So, you know, fingers crossed. We have a car where we can do we can do that. Um, Carlin and uh, McLaren pairing up. Hopefully, we can have a quick car to to take on the likes of Andretti and Penske and Chip Ganassi. So, I think we can do that. And uh, it's going to be a pleasure being a teammate with someone I've always admired. Uh, do you guys have, uh, you know, stuff in common that you talk about on the side that other people really can't relate to uh, when you're at Indianapolis? Because you guys have a lot of some of the same experiences over there. Um, you know, IndyCar drivers are quite a rare breed. Um, mm -hmm. Racing around and over at 240 miles an hour is, <laughs> is something which I never thought I would do myself. So, yes, we can share those experiences. Fernando's only ever done it once and he did very well at it. So it'll be interesting to see how he does on his second term. Uh, were you surprised at how well he did his first time over here? Yes and no. I wasn't underestimating him, but I knew how much of a challenge it was. But I think it was helped. He, he was in a fantastic car that year. The Andrettis have always quit round there. But he also took a serious focus on it, took took a good mental approach of how to do it, and he did it very well. Uh, an oval for you, the first time you were on an oval, a high-speed oval like that. I mean, how wide did your eyes get, and how long were they that way? Yeah, your eyes are pretty uh, out on edge for a long time long period of time and I think even until the end of the evening uh, well after the race they finally start to come back in because they're just out on stalks for that 500 miles which is a is a hell of a long way to go in two three hours and, and I gotta believe the grind uh, of doing this for several weeks sometimes over there at Indianapolis all the testing and the qualifying and uh, you guys have got to be on such a, an edge for so long that uh, that's got to be quite a challenge just mentally yeah, it is a is a mental challenge, and uh, that they call it the month of May for a reason because it does feel like a whole month. Even though we're only on track for like a two week period, it uh it drags out because we have the Grand Prix before, then we have the double head of Detroit afterwards, and then we have the Texas race. So it's a it's a long sequence of weekends. Well, they've really shortened that in recent years, fortunately for a lot of people, because uh, you know back in the '90s, I think I don't know when they changed it, but I remember being down there for 19 straight days covering it, and there was track activity every day. Yeah. You know, some days only a few. Cars cars would be out there but the track was open for practice and some of the hardcore teams would be out there and yeah. uh, you can only imagine what 19 days of running that track would be like yeah dizziness that's all <laughs> i can think of well Mo max i can't thank you enough for stopping by here in detroit and we'll see you in a couple of months here for the uh chevy detroit uh grand prix and uh presented by lear i gotta get that in and uh you know best of luck to you the rest of the way and uh, boy, i hope we're hope you're spraying the milk or drinking it or whatever yeah. you want to do uh, at the end of may Thank you, and uh, yeah, thank you to all the week for having me. So that was Max Chilton. Uh, what a guy! IndyCar. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks to Max and for uh, to Merrill at uh, the the Detroit Bell Isle Grand Prix presented Chevrolet Detroit Bell Isle Grand Prix presented by Lear uh, for bringing him by. Uh, always appreciate. 
when Meryl stops by, he's always got good stuff for us. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the that's the conclusion of episode fifty one, the first of the, of the weekly Ottawa shows podcast, the first of the weekly shows. Now we're expecting, obviously, going weekly. Um, you know, this podcast has had a, a kind of a dedicated but small audience uh, since we've been doing it for however long we've been doing it. We're expecting this weekly thing. Um, this is where we, you know, next week or so, I would expect to hit the Joe Rogan, Mark Marin, uh, YKS. Uh, what's the last podcast and left? Yeah. Uh, Doughboys. Uh, this is when the TV offers start coming in. This is when we get the presidents uh, to come on. This is when. Now, do you want to? Do you think we'll meet them? Like meet them in terms of numbers, or I think we'll exceed them going. No, I'm way. saying uh, this would um, super. So, like all of those podcasts, yeah. would be smaller than. Yeah, yeah, well, we will jump past them. Yeah, like all of them combined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put them all in. Add all that up. All the NPR shows too. Yeah, uh, serial. Um, Radio Lab. Wait, did wait, I don't say tell Doughboys already. I think you said Doughboys, yeah. What about Carcast? Uh Chapo. Um I mean, we're already we get about a million and a half listeners per episode now. So we would say most of the Americans would hear this. Around two hundred twenty million. Yeah. An episode. Okay. Just think so, if they had cable. That would be something. So you guys should uh all of those people get on there and do the likes. Subscribes. Yeah. Subscribe, like, yeah. And tell your friends that it's on every week now. <laughs> oh, and all the old episodes, they're still there. If you, you want to listen to more to than them. one a week, you can. Yeah, you could. I mean, you wow. could listen to one every day for, for 52 days. Yeah, 50, <laughs> 51 days. That's, uh, That's almost two months of podcasts. Yeah, if you think about it. <laughs> uh, you could probably knock a ball for about two weeks. And, and if you're listening to them on a loop like that, yeah, the old ones will be fresh. Probably want to go Can we fast. get these on Netflix and people could just do the... Uh, well, that's what thing? I'm expecting. I, I mean, I think obviously once we go to the weekly thing... Well, we didn't we have that meeting about our own streaming network? Oh, we're supposed to talk about that, were we? Yeah, your oh. wolf. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> the earwolf. We will uh, podcast network. We'll catch you on the next one, which we're going to record right now. <laughs> <laughs>